0: Welcome to the Profitable Happiness Podcast, where we interview highly successful workplace wellness executives, experts, and entrepreneurs and learn how they have found success where happiness meets business profitability. Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Pelé with the Profitable Happiness Podcast, and it is my distinct pleasure and honor to introduce you today to Samantha Clark, who is a happiness consultant. She helps to build uh, you know, bridges between leaders, employees, and managers, and workplace wellness that produces growth and success for them. I'm really excited because this is my favorite topic. Samantha, how are you doing today?
1: I am so good. Thank you for having me
0: absolutely and samantha when we were talking a little bit before we started here we discovered that it is raining not only here in austin texas but also there in london england right
1: oh my gosh we've been having some crazy storms
0: (laughs) well you know i I have to say that when i was in england several years ago i felt like it was always gray and (laughs) raining I don't know why, but that's stuck with me for some reason.
1: That's much has changed.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. All right, well, Samantha, you know I first of all let's just I, I want to, as I used to say in England back in the day, I want to big you up because you have just completed. A very, very powerful book, a great contribution called Love It or Leave It. And I think it's going to be out in March, right? Right now or next month?
1: Yeah, so Love It or Leave It, How to Be Happy at Work. March the 19th is the UK drop. I think in the US it's out a bit later in the year.
0: Wow, wow. What, What an amazing achievement, you know, really bringing the topic of like, happiness and truth and reality to work for people. Tell us how you got on this path to being a happiness consultant. Um, you know What was the great you know, Paul and you know, Saul moment in the desert or something that, oh put, you, that put you on this path? Because I think it's a fabulous path.
1: I, I think uh, the moment came when I realized I wasn't interested in telling my client how we could sell more sugary cereal I think I just got to this point where I was just, I, would, I was an account manager at a, a digital advertising agency and I just wasn't really enthused to sell sugary cereals or alco pops. And I kind of went on this journey of discovering myself and asking myself, how could I be more creative? And is this really how I'm supposed to show up in the world? And I spent, uh, I guess, my evenings and weekends, I, I, I latched onto shoes. I love shoes. I used to call them like architecture for the feet. (laughs) And so (laughs) I retrained in footwear design and production. And I just fell in love with the making of something. And I thought for me, this was where my happiness led me to. Unfortunately, uh, the backers of my, you know, then semi bespoke line, we hit recession and they were like, "Ah, let's put the brakes on this. It's really expensive. And I don't think that, you know, it's something we can fund right now. So I was there stuck thinking, okay, so I've got these advertising and branding skills. I'm now trained as a stylist and I've been trained in footwear. Um, How do I bring this all together? And so I, I just reached out to my network and said, hey, do you know anyone who would be interested in a bit of personal branding, a bit of like a confidence boost with their style, These are the skills that I have. And a friend contacted me and said, yeah, I know someone. He's just been made redundant. Um, I think you'd be perfect. Anyway, we met up and I realized through the journey of not only him and a few other people, we were talking about everything but style and everything about that. It was all the confidence and the conflicts around work you know toxic bosses or now they've been made redundant and they were contemplating entrepreneurship who am i who could i become and i loved all of these conversations and so i took myself off to um qualify as a coach i also had a bit of a downtime i suffer from sickle cell so i had a period of of ill, Ill health with a few crises and i it meant that i was just at home with my laptop so i studied a lot of psychology um, people, behavior, all of those dynamics. And I started also lecturing at the School of Life. Mm. And this is a place where we do workshops and talks on good ideas for everyday living. And uh, and then I I got an opportunity to work with a tech company, entirely remote and uh i was supposed to do a bit of marketing and stuff for them and i said you guys have got some serious people problems Mm. and they were like like what and i said well you're remote there's not enough connection this isn't you know working and i said can i put build out a happiness plan for your company could Mm. i build out a way to coach and develop and retain your staff and they said yeah let's try it for a couple of months and i was there for two years as their head of happiness and after I left there, the Happiness Consultant was born.
0: Wow. Wow. And 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 what what a title, a Happiness Consultant. I'm sure a lot of people who hear that go, what? What, what is that? <laughs> you know, because, um, but the funny thing is that it's not really brand new. Um, mm. it, it is a powerful movement inside of organizations today. You know, the whole workplace wellness and happiness and it, it, it you know, it's a powerful thing now something that you said really got my attention earlier when you're talking about your journey of Mm. self-discovery you said that you said that you were not happy at the job you're doing things weren't going well and you know it just got me thinking that you are so credible to tell this story because you're, you're you're someone who has has gone the way um so you know the way and therefore you can show others the way For people who might be listening today that are in a job or in a situation where they're just not happy, I'm sure you know what the symptoms are. What can you tell them to show them that there's hope, that there is some positive stuff within that that they may not be seeing right now?
1: Yeah. So the first thing I don't want to say is follow your passion because that is a path that leads you to just nowhere. Lots of experimenting without a tried and tested end goal. And so I always say to them that you have to be a little bit reflective, but also take action. And you've got to ask yourself, where is the pain? What is making me frustrated? Is it the actual job role and the tasks that I'm working on? Is it the people, perhaps, the colleagues, the co workers, the types of characters? Or is it the industry and sector that's not right for me? And then you can start to dissect and think about what actions you need to take to either fall in love with your job which is the love it part or leave it. You know, what is it that I need to parcel up in terms of my skills that will be transferable to move to the next thing or create a portfolio career. And I think we're in a day and age now where it's about finding your purpose umbrella, Mm -hmm. not really jumping from one title to another. It's about what are the things that make me tick and how might I do those across different variations or different sectors, different industries. And it does take, time to tweak and test but checking in with yourself you know when have you most felt alive in the work that you're doing what is it that um your passion and purpose comes alive and if even if you've got several ideas which one might you start with first and just see how that journey will take you along
0: Mm -hmm. you you mentioned um this idea of you know, don't just blindly follow your passion. I think, you know, we, we hear a lot of people saying, hey, you know, follow your passion. And then without much introspection, people may just go off and, you know, do all the wrong things because they didn't do the, the work of learning who they truly are. I think that's your message. Tell us a little bit more about love it or leave it. I think that's just really a, a huge binary choice. <laughs> but Tell us what you mean by the book that you've written, love it or leave it.
1: So what I do is obviously I get people to work through the pain. And I think, and where I've seen a lot of success in the work that I do is that a lot of people come to me and be like, oh, I really hate my job. And I'm like, what is it about your job you hate? And they can't fully articulate it. Mm -hmm. And then once they start to break it down and they're like, actually, I don't get on with my boss or I don't feel like I'm really leveraging my creative skills in this role. And then we can start to see, okay, is there an opportunity for you to fall in love with your job again? Is there an opportunity for you to look at how you can build better relationships with the different work characters that exist in the company? What can you do to put yourself in a better place to understand your triggers? Um, And then we also look at, you know, maybe it's fundamentals around pay or maybe you need some out of office indulgences Um, because, you know, like your partner, your partner can't be everything to you as is your job cannot be everything either. And Mm -hmm. so it's, how do I find maybe some out-of-work passions or, or things that I want to try? And could those bring more joy back into my work? Mm-hmm. And the leave-it element is like, right, if you've exhausted all the love-it options or maybe your work is super toxic and it's making you sick, not allowing you to spend time with your family and friends, then is it a choice of moving to another horizontal job? Is it moving complete industries? Or is it starting a portfolio career, which is where you're doing lots of different things or you have a theme like myself, happiness at work, and I do my work in many different ways? Mm-hmm. And so I get people to decide what route is for them because I think all too often it's been banded that you need to quit your job or start a business. It's not for everybody, it and not isn't. everyone will be, no, and not everyone has got what it takes to be an entrepreneur, and that's okay. Exactly. You know? there are tons of people who are killing it in jobs i just want you to make sure that in your job you can um, love it and see what you can do to continue it's it's like any relationship in life we have to keep helping it grow mm-hmm. until actually you've come to a point where there's enough growth to be had here and maybe you need to move on
0: yeah no that that's really powerful and i and i like the way you challenge people by saying love it or leave it but do something about it
1: <laughs> oh 100% <laughs> don't, don't
0: remain in yeah
1: no, life is too short to be stuck under that kind of pressure and intense sadness and pain. And I see a lot of people who, you know, mentally it's quite um, heavy mm-hmm. uh, and it affects people, forget that it's a ripple effect. You aren't just a separate individual going into work and you leave your house and your family behind you're bringing all of that negativity to work and all of that negativity from work goes back home. goes it's, back with you. <laughs> it's a horrible cycle.
0: Yeah, yeah. Tell us a little bit about sort of the, um, the ideal clients or groups of clients that you work with because I, I, th- I hear your methodology is really one of going deeper into the underlying symptoms or issues really that are causing the things we see on the surface. Yeah. Who are the people that you've been helping the most um, right now? And, and, you know, if you could talk about them a little bit.
1: So I always think that it's a two-step process because whilst I love to help the individuals, so these individuals are predominantly, I guess, uh, over 35 um, and they have been either working in something for a while and they're either feeling a little bit stuck, like maybe they don't know how to take risks anymore, they don't know how to challenge themselves And I think there is also um, a duty of care that I feel like the company also has to do some help to make happiness come alive. Mm -hmm. And so whilst I am helping the individual to question, to be more provocative in their choices, to think about how they take calculated risks and almost create experiments within their working journey. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, especially people who are older and like, I've got responsibilities, I've got kids, I've got mortgages. Like I can't quit my job. I get them to take experiments to figure out what is the work that they want to do and and how might you set yourself a hypothesis. Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to be good at X. What can we do to task to challenge that? And then on the flip side, I spend a lot of time coaching leaders, working with HR and people in culture, representatives. To get them to think about how we can have richer conversations at work around well-being and purpose and career development, Mm -hmm. rather than it just being a stagnant um, performance review. It's that real questioning as a manager, what can I do to make sure you want to stay here? Like having those stay interviews, having those conversations where people are able to say to their manager, I want to try and experiment with this, or I would love to add this to my job role, or could I upskill here? And also from a company, like, what are you doing to make sure that happiness is part of your ethos and your culture Mm -hmm. so that people want to show up and work for you? And it's a two-way street. I believe that, yes, I have to help the individual, but I've also got to help the ecosystem that they're working into.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In fact, you have, um, I I think, a very elegant, um, very powerful model in your book um, where you sort of describe the the company, the the culture, the leaders. It's like a circle. Maybe you Mm -hmm. could... Tell us a little bit about that sort of connection between those different stakeholders in an organization.
1: Yeah, because I think that um, a lot of companies will try one slapdash method of like, let's just do yoga for like everybody. But happiness is such a layered perspective. Mm -hmm. You've got the individual who has to take responsibility for themselves and their own Mm self-leadership. And then that individual is also part of a team. Mm -hmm. And within that team, there is responsibilities you have to do for yourself, but also that interdependence. And those teams collectively make up departments and a company. And I think happiness has to be challenged at each of those levels. So I always say that you've got to get the tone right. What is the tone as a company around how we're going to talk about happiness, purpose, meaning, cultivating development? Then it's about what is all of this alignment and co-creation, how can we do that from a company, from a C-suite level down to the employee? And also what is that aligning with not only the product that we're selling, but what is our employer brand? Mm-hmm. And how are we going to carry that through our, our communications? And another key thing that I think is really fundamental is if you're an individual who is either a manager or you're being managed, like what is your behavior? Mm. And I think companies need to perpetuate the thing that they're aligning themselves with in terms of happiness or culture, it has to exhibit in the behaviors. You can't just have it as a poster on the wall. This is what we believe, but yet,
0: yeah. Or a one or, or time event somewhere.
1: Yeah. A one time event, you know, they like to have the, the annual party. This is our version of happiness. I believe it doesn't need to be expensive. It's just checking in and finding out what values people have, what motivates them what are the things they're interested in learning and doing together to learn as a team, to grow as a team, to grow as an individual, or what would they like to see the company as a whole perpetuate more?
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, you describe yourself and I think others call you a change maker. So uh, in addition to being a happiness consultant, a change maker, I wonder, tell us about you know, the idea of trying to make change with these large organizations. And you've worked with really big organizations from Dubai to the United Kingdom to the US. You know, do you, do you get some resistance when you try to bring in some of these ideas and methods? Um, how does change work?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a funny one because um, either they will approach you with their idea of like, this is what's wrong and this is what we need to do to change it. Can you yeah. just come and fix it? Mm-hmm. And I always say that it's really important for us to do some sort of happiness health check. Like what is going on and how can we test where you currently sit across my four pillars? So I, I look at head and heart, which is, are you creating the psychological safety for your employees? Do they have the confidence and the resilience techniques and those frameworks? Um, how are you instilling or helping them to learn that? Communicate and connect is a big pillar where I see a lot of disconnect in terms of, The barriers of communication it might be with a team working virtually not in the office it might also be where there is um different types of communication levels and there is a breakdown in what feels like it's being communicated or what isn't being heard or the questions that are need to be asked but aren't then we look at work and life like that integration between the work processes and the systems that could change to help somebody elevate their, their themselves in and out of work Mm -hmm. And the last one is digital and mindful, looking at the contemplative practices that can be put in place to help people uh, prevent digital overwhelm or look at how that is impacting the flow of work. Mm -hmm. And so I get companies to really look at that through a holistic lens and they can see, okay, so this is where we're currently operating. Where we want to get to is here. Or maybe we're really good at communication and connection, but actually we don't create the psychological safety for people to talk about things differently. Mm-hmm. And so getting, using their language as well. So what is the language they talk about the pain that they have? So we have teams that aren't collaborating or we've had a lot of people leave. So then you can start to see, okay, so within, within an employee's life cycle, where are they falling off? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where are you seeing the disconnects? Where could you start to tap into some of your talent earlier who mm-hmm. are probably showing signs of distress, but you keep missing it because you're, you're providing yoga sessions, which aren't relevant for them. <laughs> so it's getting them to really align and think, okay, across these pillars, where do we sit? And I then encourage them, I, using the language that they use, I, I get them to see the benefits at the end of the day, because you know, it's your people that make up your business and without your people, there's no product, there's no service, there's no nothing. And when you try and put product and service first, the same way you care about your customer brand or your Mm products is the same way you need to care about your employer brand and your people.
0: Absolutely. It's it's, all
1: symbiotic.
0: Absolutely. You know, a lot of people uh, in companies tend to worry a lot about what they're going to build. Yeah. And uh, what are we gonna so, sometimes at the expense of who is going to build it in the, in the first place. Um, you know, w- when I look at, you know, your, um, your branding, I can see how your marketing side and the history and the expertise you bring into what you're doing shows up. Even in your four pillars here, I can see some of the, the digital, the marketing side showing up. Um, you know, I like, the, I like the fact that you represent yourself in the world as, as a leader of a movement. So for you, this isn't just a little thing that you're doing and, you know, to be a consultant, you are leading a movement. And it kind of takes me back to when I look at the history of, quote, happiness, I think of like the science of, of mm. um, you know, the psychology, the Martin Seligman, Dr. Martin Seligman <laughs> folks who, who started to shift you know, psychology away from, you know, fixing problems to how can we actually help people become better performers, more happy and things like that. And now you're at the forefront of it. How do you see yourself in that continuum of the whole, the movement of happiness at work?
1: Yeah, I think I've always wanted it to be something that feels measurable, sustainable, sustainable and meaningful. Yeah. But I also want people to realize that they have a, a sense of agency. I think there's been a lot of us sleepwalking around jobs for ages and it works so much from a people and a company perspective. You know, I've spoken to some companies that are like, we're suffering with brain drain. We don't have enough creative issues. And unfortunately, there are some people in their companies who shouldn't be there anymore, who've either Mm -hmm. just given up, don't care enough, aren't invested, aren't engaged. And that is hurting the company's bottom line. And Mm -hmm. I think, from an individual perspective i think i want to give people the confidence to know that i'm not asking you to take a big massive leap and to just throw caution to the wind and live in a caravan forever mm-hmm. i'm just getting you to think about how are you walking into your day how are you living your life are you living it in that grand design that you were born on earth to do because i do believe we're all here with an assignment yeah. and it's just the case of are you allowing yourself to move towards or away that from that with every action step that you take Mm -hmm. and getting them to be really powerful about I'm going to actively try and love this thing I'm going to investigate the crap out of it and just see (laughs) what I am not tweaking and testing Mm -hmm. enough and if it's not right then I leave and what can I leave to make sure that I'm not just jumping from one fire into another and so my movement is really getting people to be engaged to wake up to think about things differently and also for companies to embrace more love it and better methods to make sure that your people want to stay you mm-hmm. know they are exchanging their time mm-hmm. and the younger generations now are being very uh, provocative in interviews like you know why why should i accept your offer yeah <laughs> you know? yeah, um, yeah. So, the,
0: the brand is me
1: huh the brand <laughs> is me you know so if you want me like tell me why i should come and work for you but yeah you know, companies need that. And I think there also needs to be a role reversal that the youngest need to uh, learn from the older people too. So I think companies need to shake up that. Otherwise you will have people leaving in droves because yeah. they won't put up with the toxic cultures and the long hours and the stress and the lack of appreciation and value. It takes nothing as a manager to say, do you know what? Great job. Or just learning how your team likes to be appreciated. Not everyone needs praise but it's just figuring it out so my movement is just tapping in and refining that either even further and saying that work well, doesn't need to be something we have to grin and bear anymore
0: yeah you know the the field that both of us you and i are in sometimes is described as workplace wellness sometimes mm-hmm. it's sometimes it's workplace happiness sometimes it's leadership development sometimes mm-hmm. it's team management all these things but i think one common one common thing that i've Seen is there are some people who don't connect the dots between these wellness topics, you know, leadership development or or, or happiness and profitability and and you know bottom line money. But we both know that there is a direct connection. And and with someone of your experience, I would just love to hear your take on how happiness leads to profitability. You know, either through your programs or what you've seen in the world.
1: I think it's having that connection between setting the right tone and aligning your values, making sure you look across each of the pillars and aligning the behaviors. Mm -hmm. For me, that sequence of doing and saying what you're gonna do, making sure you keep checking in with the pillars and then aligning all the behaviors and empowering people. I think, unfortunately, sometimes managers don't feel like they can be empowered to ask the questions or they feel like under pressure that stuff slips. And I think mm-hmm. as a company, it's up to you to keep cultivating this. And it comes from the top all the way to the bottom. Like as a CEO, you've got to be living and eat, eating and breathing this so mm-hmm. that your people feel the same. And you cannot expect a company to be profitable if you're only looking after what it is that you're trying to sell. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work like that anymore. And I think people are vocal, they will get take to LinkedIn, Glassdoor all of these platforms to say what isn't working. Yeah. And so it pays if your company, because what, pe- what companies don't realize is that your employer brand is doing so much work for you before people have even decided, do I want to work there? Mm-hmm. They're doing their research. They're doing their um, asking the right questions. They're taking people out for coffee who work there. What is the culture like? You know? And I think if you can match up the two, what's being put out there on the platforms versus what's actually happening in the culture that first stands you in good stead. And then when someone gets in and they feel like actually this is an ecosystem where I feel valued, where I feel heard, where I can be happy, my self-esteem can be raised, I can try new things. That is only going to make somebody want to give more to their job, more to creating that great product, more to upselling and serving your customer um, more to creating that window display that encourages people to come into your shops. All of that increases productivity and profitability.
0: Powerful. And you know, the, the subtext of what I sort of heard you saying is that it's not just in the learning what to do, it's in the doing of it over time. Yeah. Yeah, it, like you're basically saying, hey, don't just give lip service to these ideas and concepts about happiness. Physically do them every day. And I think that's probably where coaching and support long-term comes in, right?
1: Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, everything's been, it has been banded around as like this tick box thing. This, that's what we're seeing a lot here with like mental health. It's like, oh, we've got a mental health first aider. That's great. It's all done. We've done that. Yeah. But I'm like, how many people are using it? Why are they not using it? What it what's actually happening once someone tells you, I, I feel a bit suicidal or I'm feeling depressed. Like, what are you doing about it? So I think we have to move companies from a state of, yeah, we've got a wellness initiative okay, but what, how are you living and breathing that?
0: Exactly. And, exactly.
1: Um, and you know, where are the results that you've seen? And what results are you looking for? Are you looking, I think that's the, the clear thing when we can pinpoint how a meditation, a yoga, you know, our, our work, how mm-hmm. that helps to move the needle on retention rates or actually we, we've decreased attrition this month or, you know, we've managed to sell more widgets or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... You know, if you, if you had just three nuggets to give to the people oh. of the world, <laughs> I'm crazy. I'm crazy. <laughs> so, uh, just, just three nuggets to, you know, let's say, let's say someone is in a leadership role and, and they are responsible for a healthy, profitable organization of happy employees, or maybe someone who's an employee looking mm-hmm. for whether or not they, they want to love it or leave it at this point. What would your three top nuggets be from your experience, from your book, and from the things you do?
1: So maybe I'll, I'll take it across each dimension. So if you're mm-hmm. a CEO, I would ask you to question whether or not the values that you have around culture, when you walk around your company, how are those stemming out in the behaviors that you see every day? Mm-hmm. I think from a leader perspective, I would encourage you to ask richer questions and, and actually hear the answers of your team. So really take some time to like, you know, do a coffee roulette or take somebody randomly out on your team, you know, uh, once a week and just ask them like, why do you show up every day? What, what are you finding of value? How could I be a better manager?
0: Yeah. You know, you know what, you know what I like that you just said, you said not just ask the question, but actually listen to it. <laughs>
1: listen, <yeah. laughs>
0: listen to the answer.
1: <laughs> that, that's
0: very, very yeah. powerful. <laughs>
1: That's a fault of our modern day listening because we're either listening to tell or instruct or we're listening to fix the idea that we have in our minds. We just want to get, hurry up for the person to stop so we can say, do yeah. this. Yeah. Um, and I think at an employee level, I would encourage you to, you know, choose every day. Is this a, How can I fall in love with my job more today? And if it's not right for me, what will I do to take that action and that leap tomorrow? Yeah. It's one small action. It could be that you just go and shadow somebody doing the job or you just send an email message and say on LinkedIn, hi, I'm really interested in what you do. I'm Mm -hmm. thinking about switching. Would you be open for a quick 10-minute chat?
0: Yep. And and, uh, now that was nugget number two. Nugget number three?
1: That was three. So I did like CEO, leader, employee. Oh, got it.
0: Perfect. Okay, (laughs) excellent. All right, so you're, you're saying... Top, middle management, and then employee. Perfect. Yeah. So Samantha, how can people reach you? I know that you have a big launch in March. Um, mm. That's, that's going to be an exciting thing. I, I want to see your book, and I'm going to go get one um, once it's out. But what's the best way for people who want to learn more about what you do or connect with you? How, what's the best way for people to reach you?
1: So They can head to both my websites, so Samanthaand.co or loveitleaveit.co Uh, my book love it or leave it uh, how to be happy at work is available on amazon it's out from march the 19th Um, i think in the states you can get it on kindle and i'll be doing um, some work out in the states with actually i can't say yet because it's not signed but um that will be the end of 2020 and i'm on instagram at samantha and underscore or at underscore love it leave it underscore And I'm on LinkedIn as well. Excellent. I'm happiness consultant.
0: Yeah. And we'll have all those links in the show notes. But Samantha, I just want to say that I believe you're doing very, very important work in the world. And I'm so happy that you found your happiness um, doing what you do. Thank you so much for sharing your work uh, with us today.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I just love talking about this. So <laughs> I'm glad we managed to squeeze in what we needed in 30 minutes.
0: <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, have a wonderful day in rainy London.
1: <laughs> I will do. And you too. You
0: too. <laughs> All Stay right. Okay. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to the Profitable Happiness Podcast. For more episodes, visit drpalais.com. And remember, Get happy first and success will follow.